The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Jesus and his disciples arrived in the country of Gerasenes, which was opposite of Galilee. As he stepped out on the land, a man from the city who had demons met him. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he did not live in the house but in tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him and shouted to the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you. Do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of this man. For many times he had seized him, and he was kept under guard and bond in chains and shackles. But he would break in bonds and be driven by the demons into the wilds. And Jesus then asked him, What is your name? He said, Legion. For many demons had entered him. They begged him not to order them to go back into Abyss. Now there was a hillside, a large herd of swine was feeding, and the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and herds rushed down a steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the swine herds saw what had happened, they ran off and told it to the city and in the country. Then the people came out to see what had happened, and then they came to Jesus. They found the man who whom the demons had gone sitting at his feet of Jesus, clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. Then all the people in the surrounding countries of Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized in great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man who the demons had gone begged that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, please be seated. These passages are rich and evocative. There's stuff you could say about all of them. I'll be focusing on the gospel, but I must at least acknowledge that we come together today on Juneteenth. This is something I'm still learning about, but it It is the celebration of the announcement of emancipation, freedom from slavery, given to the enslaved people of Galveston, Texas, on this day in 1865, months after the Civil War had ended. For me, this is a quintessential example of good news brought to an oppressed people. Historian Tom Holland, not really a believing Christian himself, Uh, but a scholar of the ancient world, reflects on the role of Christianity in Western culture. And he points to this passage in Galatians. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. He sees that as central to the Christian ethos. 
And while it took centuries for it to work out, he sees this passage as almost a depth charge under the surface of the Roman Empire and a world still too often focused on power, exploitation, and oppression. That, too, is good news. So moving to the gospel reading for today, I think it's fair to say that this man encountered Jesus and was liberated from what afflicted him. This story from the Gospel of Luke is about halfway through it, towards the end of Jesus' ministry in Galilee. It's also the time he most directly engages with Gentiles in the Gospel of Luke. You may remember that a key theme of Jesus' mission, as Luke presents it especially, is liberation. Jesus begins his ministry in Luke 4 with a quote from Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And of course, we see that in this passage with one particular person. A man oppressed by demons, chained up by his own community, perhaps for their benefit, but also to protect him. He is ostracized and oppressed by these demons. Look at how he's living among the tombs. It's like his life itself is a living death. And he has this strange transformative encounter with Jesus. After this, let's be honest, confusing interaction, the people of the village come out to see him. They find the man in his right mind sitting at Jesus' feet. We need to remember that that is the position of a learner, of a disciple to a rabbi. He is healed and delivered. Rather than rejoicing at this deliverance, or even being angry at the pigs, which I th about the pigs, I think some of us might feel sympathy for the pigs, the people are afraid, overcome with fear about all this. Jesus, perhaps sensing that the region is not ready, leaves the man as a witness for that people, despite the man's begging to go with Jesus. That is so odd, isn't it? There are so many questions here. Why do the demons go into the pigs? What are they talking about with the abyss? I think many of us struggle to know what to do with demonic possession in the Bible, at least here in the West, although other Christians connect a little more with it. Why are the people afraid and not happy? Wouldn't this be a good thing? And again, why does Jesus leave the man there? As I read and prayed with and studied this passage, I, find, I found myself identifying with the possessed man. Maybe that's a strange confession to make. <laughs> but here's what I mean. I see him as an example for us as we live as disciples of Jesus. The early Christian monks in the desert often of Egypt uh, dealt a lot with demonic possession and those sort of oppression, but they thought a lot about, they talked a lot about thoughts and how they oppress us. 
They don't mean just ideas, but feelings, emotions, temptations, reactions, worries, and anxieties. And all of these things in our mind that constantly drive us and constantly run through our mind. I found it very true, uh, and it actually lines up with a lot of contemporary psychology, that if we focus on these thoughts, my own anxiety, when I focus on them, my frustration level rises to the point that I lash out at others or make foolish decisions. Um, perhaps what I say while I'm driving is a reflection of that, if, if that makes sense. I hope you'll indulge me on Father's Day. Don't worry, it's not one of those stories where the pastor or preacher talks about how perfect he and his family are, where the children just want to sit and learn from and pray with their father. You guys know my kids, it's okay. My evenings with them are a little busy, it's fair to say. I need to get them snacks and dinner, but then I worry, am I giving them too much time on TV while I'm cooking dinner? Should I prep something healthy? but they won't really eat it. Do I have broccoli on the grocery list? Why are they so obsessed with desserts? Just eat something slightly healthy and you'll get a dessert, kid. What is wrong with you? We finish dinner. The kitchen's now a mess, of course. We get some time to play. I might put a podcast on so that I can relax a little bit while goofing off with them. Uh, I have to get them ready for a bath, get them in the bath, get them, you know, get them undressed, all those things. Try to convince them to brush their teeth. Bridget, my two-year-old, is convinced that she is fully capable to brush her teeth. She is not, I think it's fair to say. <sighs> What's going to happen at the next dentist appointment? What will the dentist say? Do I actually have one scheduled? Is that on my list to do next week? I begin drying them off after they fight over which towel is, which, is for which of them. I start what I call wrestling them into their PJs, which they're frustrated with because the matching ones are dirty. Should we watch an episode of something before bed or read books? Am I going to ruin their ability to read because I watch too much TV with them because I'm just tired? They're never going to get into college. How am I going to make this work? <laughs> I get them in bed. We cuddle a little bit. I'm, as you can tell, much too frustrated to... I want to pray with my kids and grow them in some sort of faith, but I'm all over the place. They finally go to bed, lay down. I get out of their room to sit down on the couch, and five minutes later, Lewis comes out saying he's still hungry because he didn't eat any dinner other than candy. Let's be honest. Why don't you listen? I'm hearing some laughter, so hopefully that's connecting. So it sounds familiar to some of you. I'm not saying all evenings are like that, but plenty of them are. And I'm not saying it for pity. I love my kids dearly, of course. But let's be honest about normal day-to-day -day life here on Earth. There are evenings, though, that are much different. Again, I'm not going to pretend like it's every time, but sometimes... For whatever reason, perhaps I'm actually well-rested and well-fed. I'm able to be fully present to the kids. This may mean playing with them, but for me, it's often watching them do something. A few weeks ago, we went to a bounce house, which was the coolest thing my kids have ever seen. And I got in there with them, and it was just the three of us, me and the two kids, and Bridget, my two-year-old, was jumping 
in the bounce house, not falling, fully capable of jumping and playing in the bounce house. And again, for some reason, I was able to sit and watch her. And it was like I could see all of the life that had been growing and the muscle development and all these things that had been growing. And she was, this life that has been growing was on display that I missed nine days out of 10, but I could see it happening. Sometimes I sit and watch Lewis telling a story or working to figure something out. He likes to put on my watches. So to see him kind of putting those together. I can see, I feel like, in those moments, his mind developing and him working to figure something out. I try to stay quiet or just ask a little question that gets him to say more. I also have to prevent myself from trying to just fix it for him, right? Does that sound familiar? Just, no, you can do it, buddy. We're going to do this. For me, these moments are a sort of grace as I stop to see the truth a movement in my right mind and to an, a true attention to what God has been doing as the kids grow. Now, I know many of you do not have young kids. Maybe you never did, or maybe you're grateful to be out of that particular phase. But perhaps you too have a job with drudgery that can lack meaning, where pointless office politics perhaps take up too much energy or you're worried about money, inflation, health, or a loved one's health. Perhaps you read the news too much like I do and think about our country and world and can't stop thinking about it. My guess is that many of us know what it feels like for our minds to be racing and to be reacting out of that insecurity, anxiety, or fear. And this is how I'm reading the story of this man and his encounter with Jesus. Again, for me, it's almost a parable of my internal life, oppressed by all these thoughts and needing God to break in, to calm me down, and to bring liberation so I can truly live as I'm called. Can I come to Jesus, letting go of all these things, remembering the good news of the peace, life, and joy brought to us in Christ and available in everyday moments. I'm struck, too. I recognize myself in the man wanting to go with Jesus. I have that moment with the kids, and the next day I'm thinking, why can't you just be like you were yesterday? It was so nice. I want to just be with that moment. But we're sent back to the world with our anxieties, often with our fears, and needing to return again and again to Jesus' life-giving message and action. Oh, so let's do that together here. With this image of the Spirit as fire, we've been practicing together. No need to regulate your breathing, but just notice it a little. Sit with eyes closed or rested, a hand perhaps on your heart. And as you get in touch with the beating of your own heart 
Imagine the divine spark and flame burning within you, God's life working itself out. Send that fire of love outward with your intention in your mind, opening your heart as widely as you can to the people near you, to the difficult situations in your own life or in the world. Spend some time pouring that love into friends and family and extending it to the community and all of creation. Living God, help us to know your life flowing through us as we go throughout our days and weeks. And help us be bearers of good news for oppressed people. Amen. <laughs>